Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. That time, my boyfriend, who definitely was a narcissist now that I know this, cheated on me. And I went to work miserable. And, you know, within a 24 hour time period, I appeared as a different person. You know, I had no makeup on. I had flip flops on. I was dragging around the office and my boss, my mentor said to me, what's going on with you? What happened? You're my all-star. So the big questions are these, how can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung, and I am so excited to talk to Heather Monahan. She is such a queen, such a badass, amazing, super cool. I just love her energy. I love what she's about. And I mean, such a survivor too, a survivor of narcissists by the way, which she didn't even realize until today. Um, And keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, podcast host, best-selling author, amazing woman. And she's going to tell her story here today. Welcome, Heather. I cannot wait to dive in to talk to you. Well, thanks so much for having me, Rebecca. And thank you for enlightening me into the narcissist that was uh, I was dealing with for 14 years that I had no idea about. Yeah, it was so interesting. We're going to dive into that. I want to I go, before we even get to that, I want to dive in because you had a really... You have a really cool story. I mean, you you started, you had an interesting childhood and I want to go back and talk about that too because you came from kind of a humble beginning. I mean, you really came up through the ranks and um, have an incredible story. And I want want to go back and talk about that too. So let's go back and and start there at the beginning. And then we'll we'll get to the narcissist. (laughs) Now I need to do a review in my own life and see how many other narcissists there actually were that I hadn't noticed. You know, I grew up pretty poor. My mom was a single mom with four kids, working three jobs. For a bit, we lived in a trailer behind my grandparents' home in Worcester, Massachusetts. And just from age nine or 10, I started with a paper route and then got into busing tables and then waitressing and then bartending, really building up a skill set in sales, you know, and customer service uh, through my, my teen years. And that led me to getting into sales when I finally graduated college and going to work for the Gallo Winery and just taking this drive and want to create revenue and access revenue because that had been our struggle, you know, at at a younger age for me, that really became my total focus in business. Yeah. And you were really like driven. You were really driven to like get over that, poverty and make money. 
I, and so you, you had early success in your career. I mean, you, so talk about that. I mean, by the age of 24, you were already in massive success. Talk about that. Yes, I went to the Gala Winery. I was the number one salesperson there the first year, the youngest brand manager for the state, for the winery. And then I was sexually harassed. So I wasn't very confident at that time. So I just quit my job to get out of a bad situation. Probably with a narcissist. I don't even you know remember. I didn't know about narcissists back then. But I quit and um, went to work at a radio station just randomly, you know, to get a job. And that person ended up being my number one mentor in business, took me under his wing. He was a great human being, great man, and taught me a lot about the radio business. At that time, my boyfriend, who definitely was a narcissist now that I know this, cheated on me. And I went to work miserable. And, you know, within a 24-hour time period, I appeared as a different person. You know, I had no makeup on. I had flip-flops on. I was dragging around the office. And my boss, my mentor said to me, what's going on with you? What happened? You're my all-star. And I told him, and he said, well, listen, I've been thinking about something. If you're willing to get on a plane with me and move somewhere sight unseen only to make money, and you also had success early in your career, like by the age of 24, you were already really successful. Tell us about that. So it was an interesting way that I fell in, but I, I graduated college, went to work at the Gallo Winery, outworked everybody, became the number one seller on the team and was promoted to brand manager for the state. And I ended up being sexually harassed uh, by my new boss. And I wasn't confident at the time. So I just quit the job and went out looking for something new to escape a really bad situation at work. And I met a great gentleman who ended up being my number one business mentor, took me under his wing and taught me the radio business uh, within a year. And so I had become his number one seller. We were killing it together. Things were going great at work. And I came home one day and my boyfriend, who now that I look back on, probably was a narcissist, had cheated on me. I moved out. I did not have family near me anymore. I was completely devastated. I went to work and my boss saw that something was really wrong with me. He sat down to hear what was going on. And after I told him, he said, would you be willing to board a plane with me, sight unseen, move somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where, only if you're willing to go to make a name for yourself and make a lot of money. I'll have you be my equity partner. And I was you know, very young. I was in my early 20s, 22, 21 years old. I don't remember anymore. And I said, yes, because to me, I want to escape the situation of having to run into the boyfriend that broke my heart. And you know, I just wanted to get out of a negative environment. However, at the time, I didn't know it. You know, I was knee deep in what I thought was an awful situation. And you can't see these things in the moment. You can only see them when you look back on your life. But these dots connect to taking me down a path that I never would have gone on had this man not cheated on me. And it ends up being this huge blessing that he gave me, which me into my career. So I jumped on a plane with my mentor, sight unseen, and he dropped me off in Saginaw, Michigan, which... If you've never been to Saginaw, you know, I had been living right outside of Boston um, for years and I was not used to a rural community. They used to call me LA because I had a full set of teeth. That was kind of the joke when I oh got to town. So 
<laughs> it was definitely, it was a, a new experience, but I was there, you know, he was clear with me on expectations. You're there to create revenue and accelerate revenue as fast as you can. We bought an operation, a $25 million company. And my job was to accelerate revenues for the organization as quickly as I could so we could flip the company and net a profit for myself and for my partners. I was a very small equity partner. My partners had more share in the organization, but I was the only one living at the operation in Michigan. And I would just communicate with my boss, you know, my partner on the phone at night and on the weekends. And I worked seven days a week for two and a half years and greatly accelerated revenues such that we sold that company for $55 million in under three years, netting myself and my partners a $30 million profit and really putting my name on the map in the media business as a revenue generator. Total badass. Or, or I don't know, or total crazy girl that gave up years, right? I made a lot of sacrifice those years where my friends were getting married and going on vacations and starting to have kids, you know, in, in their mid twenties. And I was, I was working. So it, it's definitely choices and, um, and a commitment to certain goals, but it paid off. It, it definitely gave me what I wanted, which was financial freedom. Well, but did you get married and have kids in that time frame too, or no? No, years later, I got married for a very short window of time, had one child, and that was a wrap. And that was what? That was a wrap. A wrap? One and done, one child. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, um, okay. And so then what happened? Something happened in your career then at that point. I decided to take a step backwards in order to leap forwards. I went to a publicly traded company in Naples, Florida, because I saw an opportunity within a much larger organization. And like many companies, they might not feel comfortable until they trust and know someone bringing them in at a higher level. So I took a big step backwards financially, title-wise, responsibility-wise, just in this belief that okay, I'm going to go down there, show them what I can do. They'll see quickly and they'll elevate me quickly. And that did end up happening. I, um, I was responsible initially for one of their small markets, Naples, Florida. And after I which did- Which is so really, funny, really by well, the way, because like I was living in Naples, Florida at the same time, which is so crazy. It's so ironic that we were both there at the same time and didn't know each other. I, um, I- Turn that marketplace around. This was a national media company. I turned that marketplace around. Well, what was I the company, the by the way? Oh, Beasley Media Group. Oh, yeah. I knew it had to be Beasley. I knew it had to be Beasley. <laughs> I think I knew people who, so who were working there at the time, by the way. Oh, my gosh. It's a, it's a small world, my friend. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I called the president of the company. I had him meet me for lunch. We sat down for lunch and I pitched him on a position that I thought would add tremendous value to the company, make him look amazing, drive revenue and income for the shareholders and value for the shareholders. And he said, no. So I, I didn't have a child back then. I, you know, I didn't have a lot of responsibility. So I started dialing for other opportunities. I landed another really big job back in Boston. I called the president of the company again and we met again for lunch. And I said, have you thought about my idea? And he said, I have, but I really like you in the position you're in. And I said, well, then I'm resigning today. I'm going to take this really big job in Boston. And he said, what? Hang on. And he left the restaurant. 
came back in five minutes later and said, I'm here to award you the newly created position for the company, VP of sales. And I said, wait a minute, where did you just go? And he said, oh, I had to go call my father. I am not empowered to make decisions like that on my own. And he taught me such a powerful lesson that day that don't ever take a no from someone who can't give you a yes and qualify decision makers before you go into a meeting. Because in the end, once that proposal was put in front of the right person, I did get the yes and I got promoted. Ah, yeah. So, but then there's something that happened. I want to get to the narcissist in your life. <laughs> the sneaky narcissist. Yeah. As I kept getting promoted and, and the CEO I worked for was a male, the president of the company was a male. However, the only other peer um, from the executive level that was a female was our CFO. And along the way, the higher I would rise, the less and less she would like me. Right at first, it was, oh, great, happy to have you here as you know, I entered into the executive team. But then I got promoted to executive vice president. Then I got promoted to chief revenue officer. And she and I were at the exact same level. And during that time, I thought to myself, I'm making her a little uncomfortable. I could sense that there was something that she liked less and less about me. And so I started somewhat turning a blind eye to her bad behavior, passive aggressive, not responding to emails, not including me in meetings I should be included in. And instead of really owning my voice and- Oh, and by the way, that is so that is so covert narcissist behavior. Passive aggressiveness is total covert narcissist behavior. And then when you call them out on, uh, you know, not including you on meetings, it's like, oh, I thought that I had included you, you know? And it's like that plausible deniability. Oh, I didn't include you on that? Oh, I thought I did. You know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, where, where, you know, oh, and, and everybody else thinks that they're super nice. So you, you know, that they, at least the ones that I had dealt with. Oh yeah. Because this person definitely treated me differently than she treated other people. I mean, she would enter into a meeting and, and almost hug people and welcome them. And when I would walk in, she wouldn't even say hello or acknowledge my presence. And, you know, over time, I started noticing it was chipping away at my confidence. I was becoming more of a B-rate version of myself because I felt so uncomfortable entering into these situations, even just a, a basic meeting. I always felt, you know, as the odd man out. However, I had really allowed that to happen by turning a blind eye to her behavior and not acknowledging it. And finally, one day I woke up and I just said, I've had enough of this, you know, in my own mind. I want to just, I want to stop. I want to stop you there because that is so, so important. You're like, you're, you're saying stuff that's so, so important that I want to like mention because they condition you. And, and what you're saying is something that I want to make sure that I highlight for people that they understand is that conditioning. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. And you know, what's interesting to that point, and thank you for highlighting that, is that I would also reach out to people around her to say, am I crazy? I would go to her brother who I had a better relationship with and say, am I crazy? I feel like she just keeps cutting me out. What's going on? Because I was looking for some validation or clarity. I truly felt so confused. I didn't want to think the worst, especially earlier on. The longer it went on, the more clear it became to me. But I would go to her brother and he would say, oh, you know her. She's 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 being annoying. She's probably jealous. Don't worry. You know women. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. 
Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they're not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create the resource tips for negotiating with a narcissist. To download the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash negotiate. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high-conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I think dealing with it is the is the main part of it. It's who is who we are today, right? Anything we've been through up until now is an amalgamation of things which create us, but they do not define our future. And now we return to today's show. Because when you're a person who is an, an empathic person, a good person, a nice person, a normal person, a normal person, it's like you're not sure if you should say something. You're not sure if you should bring it up. And it's like, is it is it something that you should like call out? You know, is it something big enough that you should say, you know, you don't want to make waves so you don't end up, you know, calling it out. And then you end up kind of almost being conditioned and and um, that person, oh, look, I got away with it. I got away with this. I got away with that. And then it happens again and again, like over time, and you end up sort of being conditioned. Um, you know, I, I, I got away with not um, inviting her to this meeting. I got away with um, not including her on that email. I got away with this. And then, you know, over time, it was several things that happened, but you were conditioned over time. And that's what they end up doing is this conditioning um, where you were um, allowing this to happen but not like intentionally allowing it to happen. I mean, and that's what I want people to understand. It's like, you know, people feel bad about themselves or they feel like, you know, oh, how did I let this happen? How did it, you know, but it's like, because it's like these little things, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know, it's like, do I, do I say something about that little thing? Oh, I wasn't included on this email. That seems so stupid, like to bring that up, you know, it's like, but then it's these little things over time. And so I just want to make sure that I highlight this because this is so typical, especially of a covert narcissist. And you know, it's interesting to that point, and thank you for highlighting that, is that 
I would also reach out to people around her to say, am I crazy? I would go to her brother who I had a better relationship with and say, am I crazy? I feel like she just keeps cutting me out. What's going on? Because I was looking for some validation or clarity. I truly felt so confused. I didn't want to think the worst, especially earlier on. The longer it went on, the more clear it became to me. But I would go to her brother and he would say, oh, you know her. She's 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 being annoying. She's probably jealous. Don't worry. You know women. He would say that too. So, you know women. Can't put two uh, women yes. together. And that's what they do. And they just sort of poo-poo it. And, and, and you think you're going crazy. And by the way, they end up, they're like watching you. They're just observing you all the time. They're watching you, watching you, watching you. And you, they almost like want to become you. They almost like want to like, they have this like fixation and this obsession over you because they're so like, um, in, in some ways there's an admiration of you at the same time as at the same time that they're super jealous of you. That's the, you know, was my experience of it as well. Oh, it's so true. And you know, it's funny. I look back earlier in my career, when I first came to the company, this woman was such an introvert, the typical CFO you would think of, you know, literally with a calculator running around, not speaking to anyone. I'm very much an extrovert leading a sales organization. So I'm forward facing. My job is to communicate and, and, and make people feel comfortable and create relationships. So we were complete opposites. However, during my tenure and as I would advance, I started noticing, wow, she's starting to give speeches at meetings. That's weird. She's dressing differently. That's weird. I didn't notice it until one day. I will never forget. She was winning some award. I was at the event. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm in awe of this woman. She is nothing. She doesn't look like, act like, speak like, dress like the person I met here 10 years ago. So I went up to her to ask. I said, listen, I've got to ask you a question. You've literally, like a flower, I've seen you when you were closed when I got here, open up and bloom before my very eyes. As another woman in business, and I was a little bit younger than her, I said, could you give me some advice? How can I follow along your path and try to learn in, in my way how I could you know, ex expand myself? And she looked at me and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I remember that cocktail party. And then she said, but if I come up with any idea that something hits me, I'll let you know in the future. And I said, okay. And I remember leaving, feeling bad about myself that evening and thinking, Heather, here you are thinking she did some special thing. She was just being herself, which left me feeling like I'm, I don't have that in within me. However, fast forward a couple of years, I was a lot smarter. I was more exposed to the world and I had friends who were running at a much higher level. And they started telling me, I hired a publicist, Heather. I heard, hired a personal shopper. I hired a stylist. I hired a speaking coach. I hired an executive coach. My friends started telling me everything that this woman had been doing right before me. But she, instead of like my friends telling me they're doing it, she was trying to keep it a secret and make me think that I'm crazy. Yeah. So she didn't want you to have the secret sauce, of course. Right? Yeah. She's not going to tell you because she doesn't want you to be better. But then what is so it, it, obvious now? <laughs> yeah, but then what did she end up doing? Well, I ended up um, in, you know, she was my peer. So there really wasn't anything she could do to me for a long time. Her father became ill and she became interim CEO, which means you're somewhat have the title, but you don't have all the power. She would still have to defer to the ultimate CEO chairman for approval on certain things. So she made my life a living hell, basically, in the next year. I launched a personal brand, um, forward-facing. You know, I, I made all of my profiles public. 
in an effort to try to attract talent to the company, I was always trying to recruit new and better people. That made my life easier. And so this was a strategy I implemented, which was brilliant at the time. You know, no one was doing it in my industry. I was attracting so much talent to the company, but at the same time, I was turning my light up, right? I was getting noticed. I started winning more awards. I started getting asked to speak on bigger stages. And she hated that. And so she had the GC contact me, threatening me that you can't have a personal brand. It's a conflict of interest. Read your contract. And I had already done my due diligence. I had hired an attorney. I knew that I had every right to do this and I would put whatever verbiage they wanted on. You know, I would address, it was just so ridiculous that I was every day, you know, being basically attacked for doing nothing wrong. So in the end, she ended up getting the ultimate title CEO when her father became ill enough. And when that happened, she fired me immediately. Fired you, like, boom, like that. You had made so much money for the company and did all this stuff. And yeah, just fired you. And then yeah, so she, had- I mean, she said there was no, no need for my position any longer. So the company no longer needed me. Yeah. And then, so how did you feel? Like, tell us about that. You went home and what? It was a horrible situation, but I was so sick of being bullied by this woman that on our last meeting where she actually did terminate me, I pulled the rug out from underneath her. I was so sick of being bullied in her really passive aggressive way that she tried to pressure me in the meeting to sign a non-disparaging agreement to protect herself and protect her company to ensure I never shared any of the things that I share now publicly. And I refused <laughs> it. I said, I said, I'm not interested in, and you know, you standing there trying to hold a paycheck over me doesn't work anymore. And to see her face change physically, the color, the complete dynamic in the room was changed instantaneously when I declined her offer and stood up with a lot of class and walked out without getting angry, without getting mad. Of course, I got to my car and I was bawling my eyes out because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. But in that moment, I took back all the confidence that I had lost over those years. And I felt so proud of myself. Yeah. And I want to point out to everybody, you just like sucked her leverage away. Like, because she wanted that, like she wanted to see you squirm. She wanted to see, you know, that to hold that uh, power over you and you just suck that away from her. And I love the fact that you didn't show that like emotion in front of her, which is something that I tell people all the time. Like, you know, get to your car, scream, cry, whatever, in your pillow, at home, in your shower, whatever. But in that moment, you know, you were like, don't give them that power in that moment, right? So you get home and I, I, you know, I heard you say like you were like under a weighted blanket for like whatever, you know, like you felt like the world had come to an end, but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. So talk about that. It did. The first thing once I came to and came out from the weighted blanket and crying was I decided no one knows I'm fired. She was keeping it a secret, right? And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go promote that I've been fired, which a lot of people thought was crazy, told me not to do it. I checked in with the one voice that counts, your own. And to me, I said, for me, this is the right thing. I'm going to reframe getting fired. And I Googled who is successful that's been fired. Turns out JK Rowling, Oprah, Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, the list goes on and on. I decided to see it as in good company right? This is the level you want to roll at. You need to get fired. So I posted, I've just been fired. 
it's a really challenging situation. If I've ever helped you, I need to hear from you now. And I asked for help. And that post went viral, landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And halfway through that interview, he said to me, obviously you're writing a book, Heather, but I wasn't, you know, I hadn't thought anything out yet. And so him believing in me and transferring that confidence in me led me to Google, how do you write a book? And all I have to do is sit down and write. And I knew I could do that. So uh, five months later, I launched Confidence Creator, which went, it went number one on the Amazon business biography list. And at the time, Donald Trump was president and it moved his book to number two. Um, so I trumped Trump for number one on the business biography list the awesome. first week my book came out. So <laughs> awesome. And um, and by the way, I, I didn't mention in your bio, but... You were uh, you were teaching at Harvard. Are you still doing that? I'm not. No, I did that for one semester only. Yeah. That, um, that was dur- during the pandemic, um, which was an interesting and, and super fun experience. But yeah, um, definitely not something that I am going to continue with now that speaking events and live events. Yeah, are but you got again. to do That's that for a period of time. How cool is that? I mean, you yeah, know, it, it led it's to that. The, the opportunities that arise, you know, you never know what's ahead of you. And that's the key, right? Is that you, and I believe that successful people don't know the how, they just bet on themselves to figure it out along the way. And that's sort of how I've been navigating the last couple of years since I got fired. I don't know what the future is going to look like for me. I didn't know a pandemic was coming and that I was going to lose all my speaking engagements, right? But you just keep betting on yourself to take that next action step to, you know, move forward and things will unfold. Yeah. And now you have a brand new book, which is amazing. Overcome your villains, mastering your beliefs, actions, and knowledge to conquer any adversity, which is super cool. And you have a three-step back process to evaluate your situation and identify a clear path forward. And so I just, I want to like um, quickly, cause I know we don't have like a lot of time, but just, if you could just quickly highlight your three-step back process. Absolutely. So the three steps are number one, beliefs, number two, action, number three, knowledge. So first you need to really deconstruct the belief you're holding. So let's use me getting fired. I, I first was holding this belief. I've lost everything. So you need to deconstruct it to fact, Right. Truly, Heather, what have you lost? You have to ask yourself, well, I lost a paycheck. That's true. Okay, so I lost a paycheck. What else did I lose? My network? No. My expertise? No. My experiences, my talents, my unique value proposition? No. When I broke it down to the most basic level of fact that there is and deconstructed that belief, yes, I lost a paycheck. However, when I look back in my career, I had lost a paycheck before when I quit that first job when I was sexually harassed. And that led me to a much better job. Why wouldn't this be the same thing? So I started telling myself a different belief, a better belief based only on fact and on past success that I had had. So that was number one, deconstruct the belief. Number two is so important. Once you deconstruct the belief and tell yourself a story to support you, you must take action. So for me, that was putting the post up right when I got fired was deconstruct the belief and now ask for help, put a post up, take action some type of action stuff. Which by the way, I just, I'm like so amazed that you did that. Like you had no shame about that. Here it is, right? Shining a light on shame is the only way to extinguish it, right? So if you're going to go hide under a weighted blanket forever, you're not going to create opportunity. Instead say, where can I make this a white space? Nobody's out there advertising they got fired. Well, I am. 
Why can't it be me? Why can't I own a space where nobody else is competing, right? You've owned the space of being an attorney who actually understands narcissists and an expert in that. You own a white space that you created, that you found. So I I sort of thought of it that same way. And then finally, the third step is knowledge. Who are you surrounding yourself with? What podcasts are you listening to? Audio books are you listening to? What information are you surrounding yourself with on the daily to support yourself moving forward and ensuring that you're not taking advice from people who haven't been where you're going? I love that. And I love the fact that it's like a really like understandable, easy framework for anybody who is, you know, experiencing adversity, experiencing trauma, experiencing like that feeling of wanting to just hide under a weighted blanket. I mean, who hasn't been there? We all have, regardless of whether it's a you know, a, a, a personal situation or career situation. I mean, you know, who hasn't had to deal with that? And I just, I love that it's like an easy, you know, because when you're in that feeling of crisis or trauma, you need an easy framework. And I love the fact that it's just like, okay, here's what I can do step by step. So um, I encourage all of you guys to go get her book. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, grab it and and just you know start reading, processing. All of you who are out there listening, who are dealing with toxic people. Obviously, she has dealt with toxic people. She knows how to do it. Um, and she knows exactly how to define that clear path for herself. She's done it. Look look at what she's done for herself. So super cool. Where can people learn more about you? So you can follow me on all social media. I'm at Heather Monahan. My website is heathermonahan.com. And to learn more about my new book, go to overcomeyourvillains.com. Absolutely. And um, she's on Instagram at Heather Monahan. And I will definitely drop links to her website, her new book, her Instagram, everything will be in the show notes. So go and follow her. And my podcast her. that I just had you on so they can check you out. Yes, on my podcast. absolutely. Go listen to her podcast, subscribe and check it out for sure as well. So thank you so much, Heather. You are a rock star. Love, 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 love everything that you're up to. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.